What is a naturalist? A naturalist is someone who looks at a tree and thinks of soil. A naturalist is someone who gazes at a mountain and sees a growing delta. A naturalist is someone who peers into a deep, clear spring and imagines cold, dark caverns. A naturalist is someone who gauges the seasons by the fading of the flowers and the arrival of geese. A naturalist absorbs, experiences, shares, perceives, dreams, and imagines along every step of the trail. A naturalist knows and doesn't know, sees and doesn't see, but always with a sense of wonder.
You, if you are a regular listener, um, you would have figured out by now that Light in the Law is not on the air this morning. Um, we are going to have a special Your Community Spirit this morning. Yes. <laughs> and uh, two things we're going to do. We are going to play the Vagina Monologues. And then also, we are going to have a special guest on. Uh-huh. I didn't think we'd be able to get him, but he just flew into Chicago and... Came in, and so he should be calling in in a few minutes. Yes, so I thought you were going to say he just flew into Chicago, and boy, are his arms tired. <laughs> Only you would say No, actually, I say that normally, but um, guess what? We're on the air. Are you ready for the end of the world? Listen to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again, the circle of family, the circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen to Your Community Spirit every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30.
Good morning. Are you there? Good morning, this is Orr.
Good morning. You are listening to a special edition of Your Community Spirit. I'm Orda Energymon. And this is Tree Song. And we ha- will have a special guest on the air in a minute. Go ahead. Yes, and here's the happening related to our guest. Gregory Vickery of the Tongass Conservation Society is presenting Roads to Nowhere, a slideshow on Tuesday, March 7th at 7.30 p.m. at the SIU Student Center Auditorium in Carbondale. Tongass National Forest currently stands at a critical juncture. You will learn more about the Tongass and what you can do to help preserve America's only rainforest. So we've got that event coming up, and here in, in preparation for it, we have the speaker. Good day. Are you on the air? Let's see. Um, the, I heard you just flew into, well, our state. Yeah, actually, I flew into uh, Chicago early last week and, and have been uh, doing these presentations all over the state of Michigan, and I'm returning to Chicago today and then heading down to uh, southern Illinois in the Carbondale area in the next couple of days. And what exactly are you trying to um, promote or accomplish with this campaign? Well, we have a couple of main points. Um, the first is to just educate folks on uh, Southeast Alaska in general and the Tongass Conservation, I'm sorry, the Tongass National Forest uh, specifically. Uh, we want to talk about the government subsidies um, that are provided to the timber industry on our forest and explain how tax dollars are spent uh, to the tune of close to $50 million a year on the Tongass to build uh, logging roads. We are spending $50 million? Or our government, our government on our behalf. Well, the government is on our behalf. <laughs> they, uh, in 2004, for example, they spent 48 million uh, taxpayer dollars on building roads into the Tongass. These are logging roads. These are pleasure roads or, or highways for public use. And how long have they been doing this? Um, the, the majority of the road building has gone on for just about 50 years. Uh, several. Years after uh, World War II, the Forest Service entered long-term contracts with pulp companies on the Tongass, uh, two of them, one in my hometown of Ketchikan, Alaska, and the other one in Sitka, Alaska. So ever since then, uh, road building has been rampant um, and therefore clear-cutting on the Tongass National Forest, which, again, is your forest as a taxpayer. Um, that Those processes have been rampant for just about 50 years. So, I mean, basically, I thought Clinton instigated some kind of no roadless rule. He did. In fact, um, in his sunset days uh, in 2001, he did uh, did uh, enact the uh, the conservation rule for roadless areas, uh, which designated all roadless areas in all our national forests uh, protected. Um, shortly after the current administration came into power, however, um, that rule was rescinded. Um, so logging operations, specifically clear-cutting in Alaska, have continued over the years. So, I mean, if we didn't fund the roads, there's a good chance that they wouldn't log because the logging companies wouldn't pay to put their own lo- roads in? It seems like they would pay to put their own roads in still. Yeah, it would make sense because, you know, every business certainly, uh, typically every business provides its own infrastructure uh, for creation of uh, product access. In this particular case, we as taxpayers do. And without without the taxpayer subsidies uh, via the Forest Service and the federal government to pay for these roads, it would be very difficult for a number of these operations to operate as they do, very carelessly and, and through the clear-cut methods. Well, an actual profit, too, probably. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it seems like they're taking advantage of a mechanism that, you know, I'm sure the they're supposed to be able to design roads to travel into the area for legitimate purposes, but for private profit, it seems like they're turning around what should have been a public service and profiting from it. Yeah, the Forest Service actually has what um, is, is called a multi-use mandate. Um, they're required to manage our national forest for several uses, not just logging. However, on the Tongass, <laughs> the focus the focus is logging, and uh, that's why they build the roads. Many, uh, many of the roads, in fact, most of the roads um, are left to uh, crumble and fall apart. Afterwards, they're not maintained uh, due to the expensive maintenance um, and are no longer available for public use. Well, because the, such large trucks traverse on them, it's that I mean, they extremely tear them up, right? Yeah, the roads, uh, the roads in in the Tongass are, are rough at best um, because they, they're built for specific equipment, and that's it. And in the Tongass, we have uh, very shallow topsoil, and in addition to that, of course, with with all the all the rain that we receive and the fact that the that the land is mountainous, um, whenever a road is built, its washout potential is great. What's so special about the Tongass? It's a majestic, uh, um, it's just a majestic place. The the big trees, the old growth, provide a cathedral-type atmosphere that I just relish living in. You know, I have two dogs, and we go out into the Tongass every day, um, taking every opportunity, rain or shine, to go play in it. Um, and it, it's, it, it's traditionally been used by the native communities in southeast Alaska for subsistence gathering, subsistence hunting. And the watersheds, of course, are just incredible. We have all five species of uh, Pacific salmon that run there. The wildlife um, abounds. And it's it's one of the few places left in North America where uh, um, every flora and fauna species is intact and in place. Um, the, the same flora and fauna are in place that were in place prior to uh, European contact. Uh, you said you lived up there. How long have you lived there? Um, this is my second stint in Alaska, but first in, in southeast Alaska, and I, I moved there last summer. Um, I guess people don't really move there in the winter, huh? Uh, typically, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a year-round resident now and plan on, on sticking around for a long time. Where you live, is it? does it actually become dark for periods of time? Uh, we we certainly have extended winters, but that means we also have extended uh, uh, summertime daylight hours. Uh, you must you have to go a bit further north to experience the 24-hour sun and the 24-hour darkness. Um, but we do we do um, because we are so far north, we do experience experience the elements of darkness and extra darkness and extra lightness during the course of the year. What is it like in the Tungus in the winter? Um, in my particular area, it's quite rainy. Uh, Ketchikan itself is uh, arguably the rainiest city in the United States. And, and the thing is, um, that makes sense because this is a rainforest. This is a temperate rainforest. But we also have plenty of mountain ranges, too. And literally, quite literally, if you go up in elevation 200 feet from my house, the snow cover um, begins, uh, the winter-long snow cover. And then you'll travel through upwards of two feet if you do any hiking or snowshoeing at all uh, in the mountain ranges of the Tongass. You actually said it's a temperate rainforest? That's correct, yeah. I mean, I would never have thought of Alaska being, well, in any way not frozen. Yeah, a lot of people uh, think that, um, but the uh, southeast panhandle, which runs along uh, Canada, um, 
is a maritime climate, and, and therefore we get a lot of rain. And it's very similar uh, to the uh, rainforests that have been overdeveloped in, in Washington and Oregon. Uh, some of our species of trees are, are quite a bit bigger, but for the most part the characteristics are the same. Uh, the climate is fairly mild, um, relative to Alaska anyway. And it's, it's, not, it's not what one would expect when thinking of Alaska, as you said, because um, people typically think of an Arctic wilderness. Well, here we have big trees, lots of rain, and a variety of species that propagate the forest. Yes, and these, it seems like these unique and diverse characteristics of it are part of the reasons why it should be protected. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, to, just to further that point a bit, I'll throw out this fact. Um, for every 90 acres of tropical rainforest left on the globe, there's only one acre remaining of temperate rainforest, the majority of which is in southeast Alaska. How big is the Tungus? I mean, everything in Alaska is big, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's it is big. It's uh, Alaska is about the fifth, about the fifth of the size of the entire lower 48, and the Tongass itself is comparable to uh, the state of Florida and uh, the lower lower uh, area of Michigan in size. It's about 17 million acres. Yeah. So that's that's a to have such a place still exist in such a large area is very. Uh, you know, very good and very worth protecting. I mean, here in the Shawnee Forest, for example, we have this wonderful biodiverse forest, but unfortunately it's rather small and fragmented at this point. So to right. see a right. rainforest up there that's still in a large degree continuous is very interesting. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. I mean, there are certainly patches of private land, and there are a number of areas of state land, and then, of course, we have our, our tiny villages and and communities sprinkled throughout, um, but the population for all of Southeast is only 75,000, and that includes the state capital of Juneau, which makes up about half that population. The interesting thing um, is that uh, in terms of natural resource management, um, the state is far behind um, some of the practices that are uh, occurring on other national forests, including the Shawnee, and um, so clear-cutting is still the most viable method for um, taking down the trees and for lifting up and subsidizing the timber industry. Now, playing devil's advocate, um, sure. it is a very, very large tract of property. What, why shouldn't some of it be logged? Well, that's a, a great question and a fair question. When, when I talk about 17 million acres uh, are, uh, being the, making up the Tongass, it's, it's good to point out that um, one-third of that is rock and ice in the form of, <laughs> of glaciers and uh, mountaintops. Um, another third is comprised of bog or muskeg areas, uh, very swampy-like uh, areas, and scrub trees that um, could, never, could never be uh, cut for production, for timber production. So that leaves a third of the Tongass available uh, for cutting. Now, um, the timber industry and the Forest Service typically, um, the timber industry typically wants and the Forest Service typically offers the best of the best that's included in that last third. And the majority of the best of the best, somewhere around 70% have already been cut. Um, so when you're talking about the best of the best, we're not only talking about for timber, we're talking about wildlife, wildlife um, areas that are most valuable to the varied species we have. We're talking about high-value watershed areas and that sort of thing. Um, we have about five minutes of this section. Um, do you have sure. anything really important to say? <laughs> well, it, yeah, actually, lots of important things. I mean, I've been to the Shawnee, so I, um, because I, I'm from the great state of Illinois originally, and I've 
I lived in Paducah, Kentucky for a while, and, and my friends and I would often come to the Shawnee to play. Um, the important thing to note is that in, in, in order to protect all our national forests, not just the Tonga, certain certain practices um, on the part of the Forest Service need to uh, need to change, and they need to change rather drastically if we're to save these great places. And, and the best way to do that is put is is through Congress to put uh, pressure on your local congressmen or women um, uh, to remove these subsidy types um, from the Forest Service. So certain actions are taken on the forest that will that will ensure best management practices and that will allow them to diversify into multi-use practices rather than just focusing on uh, the logging industry. And the way to do that, again, is to write letters to congressmen and to call your congressmen and women uh, to get them to promote um, any subsidy amendments that um, come down the pipeline um, and any permanent protections offered for our national forests. Yes, and I think that's a good point you raised about how these issues are in many ways systemic throughout the whole national forest system that what we do in one forest relates to what we do in the others. I know the, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but the regional organization here, Hartwood, they came to a similar conclusion when they noticed, well, there's clear-cutting going on over there and over there and over there, and it's not isolated incidents. It's a systemic issue. No, you're exactly right. And the thing is, on the Tongass, because we are, it is so large, we, we still have lots of stands of old growth left. A lot of the national forests, including uh, the Shawnee, a lot of those those stands of old growth have been removed, and 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 those those um, ecological uh, majestic areas will won't return if if the practice continues in and around those areas, the logging practices, the clear cutting. Um, there there is an opportunity to create a viable uh, timber industry on the Tongass and in our other national forests, but it takes common sense decisions, uh, economic decisions that make economic sense and at this point um, the Forest Service is nowhere near um, um, uh, following that approach on the Tongass. Well it seems like by getting Congress to um, eliminate essentially the subsidy we're actually helping the Forest Service. It seems like the you know we as an environmental um, well organizations across everywhere are always seeming to fight with the Forest Service. By doing this, it seems that we're actually helping them to improve, um, well, the forest. And I just like any ideas that, you know, essentially make it so that we're working with the Forest Service because at this point they are extremely underfunded and are having a real hard time implementing the law of the forest. You're right. You're right. Um, they are having a hard time, and there's there's no reason to be at loggerheads over each and every issue and each and every timber cell. But the culture remains um, that that timber is king on our national forests. And even though the Forest Service has a mandate for multiple use, they're not doing a very good job of propagating that mandate on the Tongass and indeed in other national forests across the country. On the Tongass, for example, 88% of our natural resource-dependent jobs are in tourism and commercial fishing. Um, the reality is the Forest Service spends well over a majority of its dollars on the timber industry, and it would make sense uh, for the economies throughout southeast Alaska to uh, focus on multiple use and create job opportunities that way instead of focusing on a dying industry in the Tongass, which is timber. Um, this is We're at the time to play some um, underwriting announcements. 
Sure. Um, do you think we want you want to talk some more, or do you want to make a final comment? No, I'm happy to talk some more. Sure. Okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> 